Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This episode is sponsored by Zengo. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder... Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. Today we kick things off in the United Kingdom, where following the abrupt downfall of now former Prime Minister Liz Truss, who held office for a record short period of just 55 days, and her immediate predecessor declining to run for the leadership role again, This morning, we saw former finance minister Rishi Sunak chosen by his party to fill the top slot. Zooming out for a moment, the personal question that I have here is, will this new prime minister actually last longer than trust in an environment where governments, especially European ones, are trapped between politically unsustainable inflation and energy costs, historically low currency valuations compared to the dollar, and the central banks that they play host to raising interest rates at a record pace? So that's the big picture, and we'll all get to see how that plays out in real time. But at least for the moment, Sunak's win is being read as good news by many crypto observers who note he has made positive comments in the past about wanting the UK to become a crypto hub, as well as assisting with at least some legislative efforts that might support those ambitions. Wendy, I'll kick this over to you first. What do you think here? So I don't trust any of the politicians that do say positive things about crypto. And one of the reasons why is we had Gary Gensler, who taught courses at MIT and seemed to be pro-crypto. But in fact, when he started working for the SEC, we're seeing not a lot of pro-crypto regulation being put into play. So even though this does sound good on the outside, I would still want to examine a little bit more of him, his past, and what type of regulation he does want to put forward. Because at the end of the day, I do think that we are going to be seeing a CBDC and we're going to see a lot of harsh regulation come into the crypto space regarding Bitcoin, crypto, and NFTs to get the CBDC through. Wendy, don't let Gary Gensler tarnish your views on all politicians everywhere. (laughs) Although, I mean, I can can understand. I think we are all a little bit jaded. But when I read the Sunak news, I thought, hmm, this is really interesting. I remember a few, I think probably it was in April, there was this NFT he was talking about where he was encouraging the Royal Mint to launch an NFT to really... uh, solidify the UK's commitment to crypto. But that kind of went against some of the headlines that we had seen previously, right? So the UK's Advertising Standards Authority has come down really hard on a lot of crypto projects. We talked a lot about those 
last year. And I think for this to really work, government agencies, the advertising authority, they all need to work together. And I just don't know in the current climate, Adam, like you rightfully pointed out at the top of the story, if that's going to happen around crypto. There are so many bigger fish to fry in Europe and the UK right now. It seems like getting all of these agencies to work together is a little bit of a pipe dream. That said, to your point, Wendy, you know, the SEC has kind of shot down regulatory sandboxes and, and getting the different government agencies to, to work together. This new prime minister has said that that's what he envisions. So, I mean, if they can get that to work in the UK and we can kind of see how something works differently outside of, of the US, I would be looking forward to see that. Zach, what do you think? I think there's some interesting competition here between the UK and France. France, secretly, there was a little item, not secretly, not really secretly at all, but there was a little item in the news today <laughs> saying how France wants to position itself as a crypto hub, which is a bit surprising. France has sort of historically not really been that too into the crypto world. But sure enough, I think there's some major crypto figureheads who are currently residing in France, as well as a couple of companies who are pretty foundational. So if they become sort of, you know, UK, France rivalry in terms of who might court the crypto industry a bit more effectively. I'd be interested in that. I don't know if it's going to come to pass, but maybe it will. It could be a little little feud, a little rivalry going there. That'd be classic. I think I saw Adam, though, with his hand, so I'm going to toss it down to him. Take it away. Yeah, I think that the interesting part about all of this, right, is that we're living through a time of great, great disruption. And that disruption, you know, there's more than one way kind of to play it right now. Uh, one side is you try to fight the disruption, and that typically is a stalling action if not everybody is doing it at the exact same time in largely the same way, because otherwise you'll effectively just chase people out of your jurisdiction into wherever it is sort of the least worst option. We've seen exchanges play this game for years and years. You know, now as we enter sort of the era of central bank digital currencies, uh, which will certainly be coming over the course of the next year or two, uh, we're going to see this sort of stalling action move into a more aggressive phase where governments will attempt to co-opt some of the innovation that's come out of this space, but try to do it in a way where they retain control over the fundamental mechanisms behind how money works around the world. That probably also is a losing game, but it's a game that they really have no choice but to play. So when you see a country like France suddenly turn around and say, hey, actually, we want to be the leaders in this, that's them kind of recognizing that, well, the current moment we're in is one where you can pick one of these two paths. And it's almost always better to be on the side of the being the, of the doing the disruption versus being disrupted. And so I think that this is a dynamic we'll continue to see play out and get more intense actually over the course of the next two years. Uh, Wendy, over to you. Really quickly, I do think that we do need to centralize government a little bit better because the decentralization of government seems to not be working at all. And I also think that there's a lot of countries that were frowned down upon El Salvador and a lot of small ones, maybe in Asia and other parts in the world that are really going to be the ones that truly adopt crypto. And the reason why is they don't have a whole lot of red tape and their governments are not as big as what we're seeing in like the UK and in the United States and other places. So I think that we should be paying attention to what some of the smaller places are doing. I think that those will be the big crypto hubs of the world. And maybe those countries will regain a lot of the power that they've seemed to lost in the last couple hundred years. Zengo Crypto Wallet is an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which until now has only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. Zengo is the most secure Web3 wallet and the best place to keep your digital currency, NFTs, and assets secure. It's also fully recoverable using the wallet's biometric recovery kit. 
Get started at zengo.com slash hash and use code hash to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Tuesday's top story. So here we have it. CFTC Chair Benham says number one accomplishment is track record of enforcement actions. So the CFTC chair recently spoke on a panel hosted by a law firm, Lowenstein Sadler, and he says he gets very irritated when folks talk about the CFTC as a more favorable regulator. He should actually be happy that we're saying that they're a little bit more favorable because we don't like the SEC. We don't really care for Gary Gensler because he's actually done nothing positive for the crypto industry, in my personal opinion. But he says that the CFTC's greatest accomplishment was his track record of crypto-related enforcement actions. And the CFTC wasn't attempting to play fast and loose. I love that saying <laughs> when it comes to enforcing commodities laws <laughs> against crypto firms. And they said that we also be very creative in how the agency applies existing laws to encourage exchanges to come into the regulatory fold. And he also said they do not have the resources to do its own data analytic investigations, which is absolutely ridiculous when you're an enforcement agency. I think Will's hand went up first, but if Jen and Will want to fight for this on this Taco Tuesday, I'm for it. I'll duke it out. I'm CFTC, you're SEC. Now we'll dig into it really quick and I'll throw it over to Jen. This headline I mean, is it's shaking a little bit. I like it. I like that they threw this one out there because I think it reminds you who we're dealing with. We're dealing with regulators. A lot of people talk about the CFTC and like, oh, we want them to be the enforcement team on this. They've been more friendly to the industry to date. Well, that might be true in some instances where we've liked some of the things that they've said. At the same time, they're a regulator. They come at it from a very different angle than any four of us on this show are going to come from it. And anyone else in the industry is going to come at crypto from. It's going to be completely different. It's more than likely going to mirror what the SEC has done, right? You're going to see enforcement action on a limited basis against high-profile names for a lot of money. We're not going to see this huge regulatory rollout of lots of laws, regulations, very clear. They're not going to go after every bad actor in the space. It's not going to happen because they don't have the funds to do that. I don't see that ever happening. And if Congress, you know, if they throw a million dollars on them, they throw a few billion dollars on them to figure this out, can they still even do that? I mean, there's literally thousands of token pairs on Uniswap, thousands of token pairs on Uniswap that are utterly meaningless and just meant for Ponzi scheming and extracting money from retail and have no idea what they're purchasing. And it's very, very difficult to go and find out where these people exist, where their IPs are traced to, where that money is being cashed out. The CFTC and SEC, they basically have a thankless job and they have to go after high profile people like Kim Kardashian the other week or EOS in the last cycle in order to stop any sort of big projects moving forward and extracting more rent from other people. So I think this headline is actually like needed and is, is interesting to see the CFTC fire back after all the positive headlines that we've seen about them in the past. Jen, I'll throw it over to you. I just want to say that I recently said that the CFTC just wants the bag. They want that SEC money. They don't want to be our friends. They keep talking about it, how they do, they're doing all this stuff. They don't have a lot of budget. We should feel sorry for them. Benham said that, you know, it's been a result of anonymous tips and whistleblowers. The agency doesn't currently have enough resources to do its own data analytics and investigations. They're only regulating through a pinhole. But if they had more funds, things could be different. This is the CFTC's moment to shine. The crypto industry has a lot of money in both the industry and in regulation. And I think that the CFTC wants that. Zach? Yeah, they're tough. They're tough, too. They, they can get that money. They're tough, too. They're not the soft <laughs> pushover regulator. They're tough. And it's worth remembering that, you know, the CFTC 
It was doing this DAO thing with the Uki team. They led the charge mm -hmm. on BitMEX not long ago. We often forget about that. They've done quite a few high-profile instances of regulation by enforcement. So he's not wrong when he says that that's a big part of what the CFTC brings to the fore when we're talking about crypto regulation. It's going to be really interesting to see how the territorial sort of turf war shakes out between the SEC and the CFTC, especially after the midterm elections, right? We're going to see maybe a potential change in the guard in terms of who's going to be approving such things. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how it all shakes out. If the Bitcoin maxis get their wish of having the CFTC sort of regulating Bitcoin as though it's gold or corn futures or what have you, versus all that other noise in the, in the, in the ICO market or whatever, like it's going to be fantastic to see how it all shakes shakes out. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later about sort of this interesting relationship between ex-regulators jumping over into the space to advance some of these policy aims. But interesting one to watch, and it's cool to see him talking tough on stage. Wendy, I'll toss it to you. Wouldn't it have been nice to just have had regulation or some sort of guidelines put in place like a couple of years ago instead of just wasting money and time, especially taxpayers' time and money on all of this banter back and forth? I feel like the SEC and the CFTC could have been so much more profitable with collecting fines, the IRS could have been collecting more taxes, the industry could have advanced. Good things could have happened, but instead regulators are just being lazy in my personal opinion. So Wednesday's top story. Crypto winner is hurting Google's ad empire. Oh my. Again, more suits, more suits and more centralization. During Alphabet's quarter three earnings call yesterday, Chief Business Officer Google said the financial services company cut back on search ad spending during the quarter. Alphabet is Google's parent company and they reported disappointing results as revenue growth dipped to 6%. They said cutback in the insurance, loan and mortgage crypto subcategories, which makes sense because all of those industries are currently hurting. People don't have money to necessarily take out mortgages. Rates are so darn high. Um, people are not advertising for crypto, which makes sense. We're in a bear market. And again, he referenced the crypto pullback twice, but didn't provide any third further details. One of the things that I will, will, will say that's important is last bear market, we saw Google come out and I want to say they banned all crypto advertising. Like if you were a crypto company, you could not take out an ad, you know, those little pop-up ads you get on your websites or whatever. I feel like that was banned. That was illegal. So I think that this headline is going to be a lot different than what we're seeing now. This is just saying that people aren't spending as much which on ads, which makes sense because we're not only in a crypto bear market, but we are in fact in a recession in the United States and in other areas as well. I want to actually toss this one to Zach. Yes, I got it. All right, cool. Yeah, this one, congratulations. We found the crypto angle on this one. Markets across the board are down bad. Certain sectors especially are down bad. The ones identified there are the ones that stand out. And crypto is among them. So I think it's interesting we see the real world uh, effects of a downturn in prices, right? But also we're seeing it in other sectors across the economy. So the fact that uh, Google is feeling that pinch a little bit Interesting to note, and I think it's cool that it made its way into the earnings call. So credit to CNBC for finding the crypto angle here. It's going to be interesting to see like, ultimately how crypto projects, be they you know, layer one foundations or uh, application level projects that are building on these layer ones. It's going to be interesting to see how they sort of position their war chest for what looks like a protracted bear market, right? This is crypto winter. This is also kind of on the precipice of a recession, more broadly speaking. So whether or not these teams are well capitalized enough and smart enough and prudent enough to manage their treasury so they can get through it and be in a good position to thrive come next bull market is the question. And I think we're going to see little dribs and drabs of stories like this 
that indicate that spending on certain things is going to be down, right? And if spending on Google ads is going to be down, what those other categories are within the crypto space, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what shrivels up and what thrives in these leaner times. But those are my thoughts. I want to toss it to Jen because I know she thinks cogently about marketing stuff. So I'm going to toss it her way. Yeah, I zeroed in on uh, the same things that you did, Zach, and same with you, Wendy. I think it's interesting that we have the crypto angle because Google banned crypto ads so long ago. And now they're saying, oh, crypto companies aren't spending with us. But this is a much bigger story, right? We are heading into a recession. Definitely during the bull market, there was a lot more money pouring into this industry. And we all saw, we spoke about it so much that a lot of that money was going into advertising to try and get this mainstream audience to experiment and play around with the products. But right now during a bear market, that mainstream audience, I feel, is a little bit reluctant to come into a market that's down from when they first heard about it a few months ago or, or last year. And so this just this makes sense. It makes sense that crypto companies aren't spending on advertising. I know that it said it was down 6%. That wasn't like that much to me when we think about the macro economy and where we're heading. And so I think this just makes sense and is almost a little bit a road to boring. Crypto is just like every other industry now. Yeah. And Google's not the only one, you know, licking their wounds, right? There was a big Wall Street Journal story today, according to sources, that uh, Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z, was down something like 40% on its big, big, big crypto fund, right? So that's a lot of paper wealth that's being wiped off the books. So that means that Google feels the pain, VCs are feeling the pain, projects are feeling the pain, and people are going to need to adjust to that new reality to make sure that they can continue to build toward that thing that they're dreaming of. Will, down to you. Okay, last take. This is not yep. road to boring. I think this is actually overreaction corner. We have a new segment, okay? <laughs> Google saying in their Q3 reporting, it is overreaction corner. Google saying in their Q3 reporting that cryptocurrencies were a reason that the revenue is down tells you where everything is going, right? Google gets its revenue from where? Ads. And if cryptocurrencies are a big part of their ads, then Google has to go where the puck is going in the future now. And they're noting that. In the past, we've seen so many different cryptocurrency projects try to say they are working with Google. But I think Google's been waiting for something like this, right? Where you see so much intention from mainstream consumers to use cryptocurrencies that it's going into their revenue streams. Well, now Google is forced to integrate into crypto, forced to cater to it in a more meaningful way. Wendy, just like you said, in the past, there's been a lot of stuff around Google blacklisting or not allowing a lot of cryptocurrency stuff on its website, not allowing advertising. But if it's becoming a large portion of their budget, I mean, they have to cater to it. They have a growing team. They have growing ambitions. They're probably the most important internet company in the world. I do think that if they're saying that this is a reason for the revenues being down, then in the future, you're going to see more integrations from Google because it's only in their best interest. I got to say this too. I think that this is super important to note that marketing is very is something that's very frowned upon in the crypto industry, but it's something that is so accepted in global industries and like normal industries. So Google coming out and saying, hey, this is really hurting our revenue that we're seeing a lot less crypto advertisements. That just kind of makes it seem to me that we're coming more into mainstream. If a big company like Google is like sad that they don't have this ad revenue because they're making money, that just goes to show me that this is going to be something that is going to be allowed in the future. One question I do have is I wonder why these public servants are not seeing this as a monetary gain possibility if Google's talking about it. Again, I talk about the regulators not wanting to work with us, which in fact, they should want to work with the crypto industry to get that taxpayer dollars, even though I think taxes are a scam. But again, you should always pay your taxes. That's all I got. 
Thursday's top story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's, let's head on over to the metaverse. So Facebook parent company Meta has missed their revenue estimates for the metaverse division, Facebook Reality Labs in Q3. They forecast those losses are going to continue to grow next year. The revenue for the division came in at $285 million down from the $452 million in the second quarter. We're looking at a loss of $3.7 billion in Q3. CEO Mark Zuckerberg, however, remains optimistic about this area of the business, saying on an earnings call that it would be a mistake not to focus on the metaverse. Will, I'm going to toss this one off to you. I think that Thanks, we Jen. all could so, have. Oh, sorry, the other <laughs> I think one. we all could have predicted. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of this. here. I'm going to let the two Wills duke it out. I'll put it up against Danny any day of the week. Okay, let's dig into this metaverse notion. It's been about a year since Mark Zuckerberg completely rebranded Facebook, changed the name, changed the sticker or the ticker on Wall Street. They changed everything about their whole platform, right? And how has that gone for them? Not so well. I think about as well as a sandbox token or any other metaverse token that you've seen trading out there. It's not been great. And the reason for that is because I don't think it resonates with a lot of people at this point, right? The idea that you can you know, pivot your entire business, this huge corporation that serves about 4 billion people through various apps like WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Instagram. That was a pretty ambitious. And I don't know if it's working out. If we look at their stock price, it's about down 20% for the week, which is not great going to Q3. We already know that a lot of these tech companies are also struggling as well, right? And why are they struggling? Well, well, the Fed has pivoted and stocks turn to be, uh, you know, they, they fail when the Fed pivots here. Like we see interest rates going up and the first thing people dump is those risky tech stocks. It seems like Meta is sort of on the forefront of that. Zach, I'm going to bump it up to you, get your take on this story. Yeah, we had, I'm having deja vu. I thought we talked about this story recently based on reports, based on sources that they're missing their target. So I guess this indeed is correct, some of those earlier reports. So the fact that this is happening, again, not entirely surprising. They're going to have to sort of uh, rein in their expectations. And unless more people are willing to look silly like Danny Nelson wearing an Oculus headset, those numbers aren't I mean, going to be good anytime I'm, I'm soon. How's it looking the in there? Here. I'm looking into the future here, and what's it, it look doesn't like? look so it doesn't look so good for Facebook in the short term. But you know, if all these billions of dollars are really going to oh, look over there, are really going to pan out to something, then Facebook is going to be positioned to be, and Meta's going to be positioned at the front of the market. So it's a really big gamble right now. I'm just getting a headache in here, but in the future, and the the investors are too. I got to say, but in the future, this might pan out to be a really big bet that that paid off. Danny, you're welcome back on the show anytime. It is not my decision, but so far, this has been super fun. In that same earnings call that I mentioned in my intro, Mark Zuckerberg said he really believes that the future of work is going to be in the metaverse and people are going to be working in a mixed reality or virtual reality world. There was a conference recently where Microsoft's gaming CEO, Phil Spencer, spoke. And he said that he thinks that when people go to work in the metaverse, it's going to look more like a video gaming environment and not the environment that Meta has built out. So we have some of these leaders in the gaming industry taking little jabs at Mark Zuckerberg and what they've built in, compar in comparison to some games like 
Minecraft and, and Roblox. And I think that he's right. You know, the graphics we've seen so far from Meta have been kind of dismal when you compare it to, to what's going on in the video game world. I don't know. What do you guys think? Nothing, eh? Just yeah. nothing. I mean, they're fine. Yeah. You guys going to work they're in the fine. metaverse? If we had to work in the metaverse, would you go? Only the casino. Absolutely. Only the casino. Yeah. Zach sitting next to me, we'll play blackjack together for a few we'll hours. Do it. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, that's going to be great. It's be good do. stuff. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.